1: Hey listeners, welcome to Tennis.com podcast. I'm Nina Pantic. And I'm Irina Falcone. Our guest today is world-renowned coach, Sasha Bayan. He has worked with Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka, Victoria Azarenka, Sloane Stephens, Caroline Wozniacki, and currently he's coaching Christina Mladenovic. That is quite a list of top talent, and he's won a ton of Grand Slams, 13 with Serena, two with Naomi, and we get to talk with him. We caught up with him at the U.S. Open. So let's jump right into our interview with Sasha Bayin. All right, Sasha Bayan, welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. We are so happy to have you.
2: <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you.
1: Um, I kind of want to start with where you're from and your background story, because I know that you're German and Serbian, mm-hmm. and uh, that combination I've seen in Andrea Petković. So what's yeah. your background?
2: Um, yeah, I was born in Munich, you know, raised in Munich. Uh, my, my father is Serb, um, my mother is German, and then also went uh, partially in Croatia to the school. And um, so a little bit of multi-quality all over the place a little bit
1: and you speak serbian and german and english all perfectly
2: well my english is not perfect but like you know it's it, i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying but like yeah, i speak german serb and um and english yes all
1: very useful how did you get into tennis why tennis
2: um yeah i was um i was four years old my daddy played hobby wise with my mom and you know like usually you're the small kid just picking up balls and i I always, um, I don't know why I enjoyed it. I was uh, also playing soccer, you know, growing up in Europe. It's either soccer, I guess, or tennis. And then somehow I felt like I'm more of a loner than a team player in that case, you know, and um, I kind of really enjoyed just being on the court. And my father became my coach. And um, yeah, that's how it all, how I got into tennis.
3: When did you find out you were like, you know what, I'd rather just be by myself on the court?
2: After a couple of, I remember like I played a couple of soccer matches and you give it your all and then someone else has a bad day, you know, and you feel like you're not responsible enough for the win or the loss or something. And I like, that's why, to be honest, I never really enjoyed even playing doubles as a junior because at the same time, I would feel so bad if I would mess up something for my partner, like I, I legit would feel horrible. So I kind of like always wanted responsibility and be responsible for my own like faults and actions and everything. And so that's kind of like I was like 11 years old, I think. Yeah
1: young okay so then how did you i know you tried a little bit professional tennis you had a ranking how did you make the transition from maybe trying to go pro or what you were trying to chase to becoming a coach or hitting partner first actually
2: well yeah that transition was kind of like thrown at me you know it wasn't really by choice i of course would have rather wanted to be a player myself but um uh, like after my father died working with other coaches was a little bit too difficult for me and different and um uh, i had my mom at home telling me you know you need a steady income you can't just go to tournaments to tournament what do you do if you get injured you know and so i started um i was like all right i'll make a i get a coaching license in germany started doing that when i was 18 uh took like 3 years you know you you take all these exams and everything and then started like teaching from monday through wednesday and then playing weekend tournaments getting a little bit of extra money hustling um, stringing rackets, um, preparing clay courts, you know, everything involved in tennis, I think I've done it all. Um, so kind of kept my way like above water, like paying bills like that. And then, um, yeah, and then got a call when I was 21 years old from Serena, like basically from from her um, former hitting partner and uh, saying that he would recommend me to, you know, start working with her or at least have a trial for a hit. And
1: So one recommendation and you're in?
2: Yeah, I mean, no, it was actually two because the first one I declined. I was out out Saturday night with one of my boys. I got a call at midnight, you know, Serena's very last minute. She was in Rome and then she called her ex-hitting partner slash coach, Jovan, and she was like, hey, I need you to find me someone, you know, uh, you have any recommendations, blah, blah, blah. He called me. He knew about me. I was in Munich. And he's like, hey, Serena would like to come out and try to hit with you. And I was like, "Uh, I'm out, you know, like, what time? And he was like, 9 a.m. And I was like, no, I can't do that. I'm a little bit buzzed. And so long story short, they called again. And then I said yes. And, yeah, we hit for five days. And um, 13 years later, yeah, now I'm here talking to you. That's amazing. (laughs) It's an
1: amazing journey. I think that the growth of coaches being more well-known has been really rapid, I think, the past few years with you. And Patrick is another one that comes to mind. Now you're, like, famous and well-known.
0: No, (laughs) no,
2: no, I'm not. But, um, no, I I really do. I I do believe that, um, you know, I was meant to be more of a coach than a player myself. I find it easier to sacrifice things for others than it is for myself. I I, I don't know why that is. Like, even me as a player, if I would have a match, you know, the next day, and um, I wouldn't mind, like, going out and having a dinner and maybe a drink. But now if I'm with, you know, with Kiki, I was also like 18, 19, 20 years old. So maybe my mindset was different. But now if I'm with Kiki or with Serena or Naomi or whoever, I find it easier to put my own needs second and really put her first because I feel like helping her, I don't know, it truly, it just somehow makes me happy. I don't know. It's a hard feeling for me to explain.
3: When you think of Serena Williams, you think of the greatest of all time. So... It's it's pretty remarkable as your first job to be with Serena Williams. What do you think uh, was your biggest takeaway that you've been able to kind of share with your other players that after that?
2: Yeah, so I do believe that I got a little goosebumps. I got yeah, I got really thrown into this whole situation. Um, What I've learned most from her is how to deal with pressure, expectations, um, a certain level um, that has to be kept up day in day out. You know, the, the, the margin for mistakes is just so little. You're not allowed to really make mistakes, you know, and um, how to eliminate excuses. There's so much that that comes with it and um, the work ethic, you know, that she puts in. So like this whole it's more of like a professional environment. If I can somehow narrow it down, it's not so much even like on court. But just everything that comes with it, like I said, like the dealing with pressure, the feeling that you get if you're the 10th Grand Slam final, you somehow become more used to it. I do believe that that's some sort of energy I can transcend to my player that she isn't nervous or some, You know, like it happens all the time. Like you're with your coach and you um, you have a great success and then you, you reach the semifinals of a Grand Slam and you go down one and two or something, you know. And I do believe that that's through... Like somehow, like satisfaction, and it's hard for them to keep the same mindset, even though they want to. but subconsciously, they somehow like dip a little bit. And with Serena, that's something that yeah basically, I got drilled into that that's not allowed to happen.
1: It's a useful thing for other players to get. It's yeah. you coming off of so much
3: time in regards to having so much success with someone like Serena, um, mm-hmm. did you ever get used to it? Did you ever get used to the winning? Like, did you would just expect it?
2: Yes. So so I have to say yes and no, because it's not that you you don't expect to win, but you go in with the mindset that this is yours. So the moment you expect to win, it's a thin line between expecting to win and just being cocky and overlooking the opponent because everybody can play tennis. And nowadays, I believe that women's tennis is really on the rise. It's become so much more physical and entertaining so many different Grand Slam uh, winners, um, so many young girls, you know, that hit the ball really clean. But um, I do believe you have to go with the mindset of being confident that yes, this is my court, this is my match, I'm gonna win. And don't even bother thinking about losing, but at the same time, respecting the opponent. Having said that, the same thing here last year, like I, because of like, I feel like I'm a perfectionist and I always want to win and do better, and not only for me, but for my player because she wants to be the best she can be. And I want to be the best possible coach that I can be. So I have to slow myself down sometimes. Like, I, I, I have to admit that. Like, I'm guilty of that. Like, you know, we win the US Open last year with Naomi. And um, we had on Tuesday another tournament in Tokyo. You know, you play finals on Saturday and then I, I like bother her on a Sunday morning. Hey, when do you want to practice Monday in Tokyo? You know, like I, that's not, it's not like sometimes it might be a little bit too much, but um, I I feel like, yeah, if, if I need to learn something, it's to slow down a little bit and enjoy the moment a little bit more
3: because that's tennis. I mean, you you think, um, oh, wow, let's celebrate this huge win, winning the US Open. I mean, first time you you might think like, oh, I'm just gonna go crazy. But I've actually got a flight and I've got to go somewhere else to compete next week. So I can't even imagine. Well, I've been there, but it's it's hard. Yeah.
2: And in your hometown, you know, in your hometown, in your home country after all of that. So you're like, yeah, the moment you would have If she would have lost their first round, like something, then again, everything is like, ah, you know, Grand Slam, there you go, she loses first round again. But, um, yeah, it's tough. Tennis life is very fast on tour.
1: How was the 24 hours, I mean, other than having to plan for the next tournament, was there a moment where everyone sat down and said, no, we just won a Grand Slam, like, this is insane and amazing, and you celebrate a little bit?
2: No moment, no. I, I um, I, I had one shot of whiskey. I had one drink, I had one shot of whiskey. My mom my mom flew in for the finals from Munich uh, with her husband. And we sat down with the family, with Naomi's family. We had dinner. And um, it was so late. It was like 2 a.m. or something, you know. And um, I had a flight the next morning, like 8, 8 a.m. So I had like six hours to pack and everything. I had to fly to uh, home to West Palm, take care of my house. And then just stay one night and fly to Tokyo the next day. So I didn't really have time to overthink it and um yeah I think it all just settled in a little bit later once the season was over I think that that's where it settled in but I believe that was a good thing because you know you don't want to have too much time to think about what you have done what you have accomplished you want to keep going you know so I believe that it helped Naomi actually you want to
1: slow down and keep going
2: at the same time (laughs) you have to understand to live in the moment but uh, yeah but you keep keep moving forward at the same time Yeah,
1: i know you don't want to talk about specific players too much in depth because we don't need to but
2: i'm yeah. curious
1: did serena celebrate does she go and throw a party when she wins a grand slam or is it just you know what another one for me
2: i don't know how she does it these days but we 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 had our fair share of parties yeah we we did good we did. i'm not gonna come and want it but yeah we um we had our fun
3: <laughs> good i mean that's what i want to hear
2: yeah
3: um you got to celebrate life a little bit life is too short
1: Hey listeners, it's Nina here with Irina and our special guest, Sasha Bayen. He has worked with Naomi Osaka and Serena Williams and is talking about all of his past and his future plans
3: on tour as one of the best coaches. Back to Sasha. But with regards to your current player, you're working with Kiki Ladenevich, um, How did that come about?
2: Uh, yeah, I knew the family for a long time, you know. Um, we kind of speak the same language. Um, they've asked me to, you know, uh, coach them before already. It just somehow never worked out. And um, with The scenario that kind of like I was in and she was in, uh, it being in the middle of the season, I felt like I would rather take on a player uh, this time that I already kind of know instead of having to get to know the person and how she thinks and what she does. And um, I really felt like this was a great opportunity because I also haven't worked with a player like Kiki, to be honest, you know, she's very different than the players I've worked with so far. And that was a new challenge for me. I'm sure you know that I was going to learn something new and grow from this and I hope that she was going to learn something new and grow from this and so yeah we decided to give it a try until the end of the year and then we'll see how it goes.
1: You've worked with a lot of players. You had Azarenka, yeah. you had Sloan I think for a little mm-hmm. bit, you had Wozniacki for a little bit, Serena, yeah. Osaka, mladenovic yeah. What happens when you see them on the tour and you guys play against – your player plays, you know, Serena and Naomi played last year. Is yeah. that awkward? Is everyone professional?
2: I mean, the finals was awkward. Yeah, I can't lie. It doesn't, it doesn't get much bigger than that. But um, I – no, usually, like, I can somehow differentiate business from, you know, from personal, and I have to strictly see it as that, and I know the players can too. So, of course, if we walk each other, you know by in the hallway, we say, "Hey, hey, how are you? We catch up for a little bit?" So no, I want my player to do as good as she can in that moment, but at the same time, I understand if you know my former player or opponent wants to beat us, so it it's all in good faith.
3: Um, a lot of people usually think that for a coach, the most rewarding moment, the the best moment of their life is when their player does well. And you know, wins slams, like that's, that's what it's all about. Um, you've been a coach for a long time. Slams aside, tournaments aside, what do you think has been your most rewarding moment as a coach?
2: That's a good question. I've never been asked that really, to be honest. Um, rewarding, I mean, for me, For me personally, if that makes sense, if that answers your question, like I, I truly just, I enjoy this sport, right? Like this is something I really love. And I, I do believe that's why I've been also so successful because you can't be successful if you don't love what you do. So having said that, like getting paid, playing with Serena Williams on a daily base, like You know, I don't care if it's in Palm Beach Gardens or in a stadium, like it doesn't get much better than that. All right. Same thing goes for Caroline, you know, like being able to share this beautiful life and, you know, waking up in Monte Carlo and then saying, "Okay, like what's today? Oh, I have to hit with Caroline Wozniacki in Monte Carlo for two hours. Then we work out for another two hours. We stay in shape like this is something beautiful. And then seeing them enjoying that as well. And being able to like challenge each other on the court, you know, like I I, I truly love that. And I, I think that that's the most, yeah, that's like the biggest reward, just seeing them putting in all that sweat and hard work and trusting me and working with me. And you know, for me, that's a, that's it. yeah.
3: That's awesome. That's good to hear. You know, it's a lot of people usually just think it's the tournaments and the trophies and the titles, but there's so much more to it. You know, it's the little things that really matter in the end
2: yeah absolutely i have to agree and i um i want to think that you know like my job also is so much more than just on court you know i'm really one of the few who believes that if i say full-time i work full-time you know and if i have to help my player getting her laundry like i'll do that too you know so it it really is i'll do whatever it takes to help my player yeah so no but that's um that's something that i truly believe in yeah
1: what's hardest part you just said you sometimes have to do laundry and handle things that aren't tennis what's the challenge is it on tour you know i know you probably have to struggle with managing your personal life and then being you know with a a high profile player everywhere you go what's the struggles
2: yeah you said personal life what is that (laughs) no but it's um i believe the hardest part of this is just literally like you know christmas um birthdays um now it was my grandma's birthday you know she turned 90 she was in croatia we were here uh, my family sends me pictures around them being on a campfire you know um having a barbecue everybody's happy and, and you know i'm i have a good life but at the same time it's like you miss sometimes having that you know and then you see your grandma a little bit older uh, my mom looks old every time i see her i come home you know I, I you know my little sister all of a sudden is 26 i thought she was 14. So you kind of like lose certain things don't get presented to you slowly. You know, my sister was pregnant. I didn't even see her because I wasn't in Munich a whole year. I saw her normal, you know, and then next time I come home, she's like, this is your niece. Poof, And I was like, where'd she come from? You know, I didn't see you with a belly, you know. So I feel like this is the hardest part. And maybe as time goes by, it makes it a little harder. But as long as I, you know, I'm still kind of like young i'm 35 years old i'm kind of young and as long as i still want to do this and believe that i'm willing to sacrifice like everything i need to do to help the person whoever i work with i'm gonna do it but that's yeah sometimes it weighs on you
3: in regards to what you just said it's that tough that's that's such a tough balance to know that life is short but hey I'm going to sacrifice and give it my absolute all and accomplish everything that I want to accomplish and speaking of accomplishments you've you've trained with number ones in the world like it's nobody's business what's next for you what's what's the vision do you have like a an end goal is there something that you strive for every single day that that's what I want
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, of course I have a goal. I truly like, I'm not very spiritual and, um, I, I, I do say thank you before I eat, you know, and stuff like that. But I truly believe that, um, I just want to make my father proud as he was my coach and I want to, I have his name, you know, I'm a junior and I want to, I want to carry that somewhere. So I truly work. I want to work as hard as I can to be the best possible coach that I can be and to make him proud. And I believe there's so much more that I have to achieve. There's so much more that I can learn and that I want to learn.
1: So you're talking about things that you want to achieve and work on. Yeah. Do you ever look back? Is there anything that you wish you'd done differently in your coaching career? Not Maybe not a mistake, but maybe something you wanted to change? I
2: do want to say that whatever I've done, um, I always try to give it my all and um, really go a hundred percent and all out in every single situation and um, So far it always somehow worked out, you know, things happen for a reason and um, I I want to believe that I'm really meant to be here at this moment at this time, you know, and I um, um, yeah, I'll take it one day at a time, try to get the best out of each day. But I, no, I don't look at mistakes, just lessons, you know, learn from it. And um, you win, you learn, you know, that's about it. But no, nothing, nothing that I can really say I
0: regret.
1: Was there a letdown when you had to, when you switched? I don't know uh, the reasons behind changing from Serena, but what was, how do you go from the greatest to anyone else?
2: I mean, you know, <sighs> like yeah so even with Serena like it was very hard everything I have I kind of still feel like I owe to her you know because she gave me the opportunity and trusted a young kid and then um, really brought me in so I'm very thankful for that having said that of course I worked my ass off you know and um, worked really hard and want to say did a good job otherwise she wouldn't just keep me around just because I'm funny or, you know, I have to be good at what I do. Serena is the best at what she does. And she only wants the best people around her. So, um, but at the same time, in this particular situation, I felt like I wasn't growing anymore. So, yeah, I didn't know what was going to happen after. I was eight years with her. And um, I, I felt like I needed something else. And then I was always that type of guy to really just rather go out and try something new in order to learn something about myself. I'm not afraid of that. I'm aware that as long as I have two healthy legs and I can hold a racket, I'll be fine. I'll manage something. I didn't know what was coming next, but I was happy that Vika called, for example. It really made me a little bit, you know, sleep easier at night. But, um, and then, yeah, and then just went from there. And, you know, she got pregnant, you know, and then didn't know either what comes next. Sloan and just kept going and going, yeah.
0: Learn more at Marines.com.
3: Hey guys, Irina here. Today we're talking with Sasha Bayan and he's telling us all the amazing adventures and fun things that happen when you're a coach on tour. Back to Sasha.
1: A lot of women you've worked with. Mm-hmm. Is that just because the pattern of the jobs that have come your way? Or do you prefer to work with female players? Or are you hoping for a male player next?
2: No, I have no preference. I have no preference. I don't hope for anything. For me, it just has to make sense. I've gotten a bunch of good offers from um, from male players in the past, especially now after Naomi's year, um, you know. But um, it just has to make sense. You know, I grew up in a household full of women. Uh, maybe it's easier for me to, you know, understand or like i'm very comfortable you know with you ladies so i have two sisters uh, you know my mom i i was i uh, lived three years in a house with serena venus the physiotherapist and an assistant you know there's four girls and me so um i learned a lot you know and um no but no no particular reason it just has to make sense for me
3: you can probably write a book on how to you know how how to understand women <laughs> maybe so a lot of people that are listening they probably don't understand when that transition happens from being a hitting partner to a coach so you were a hitting partner with serena and once you knew you were like okay i'm this is my cap when did that transition like what had to happen for you to realize okay now i'm a coach
2: um you know i don't think there was like a particular moment or something it was like of course in the beginning you know you I'm not a 21 year old guy who's going to run up on Serena and tell her how to hit a forehand you know I would never dare to do that <laughs> especially not back then but um I like even now like the last few 2 3 years with Serena you know we had practices alone we were alone at tournaments um we we had um you know kind of preseason alone And um, so my job hasn't really changed, you know, also with Vika or with Caroline, you know, um, I still kind of want to see, say I have the same mindset. Maybe the responsibility has been getting a little bit more from the outside world because now they finally realize it. Um, And they gave me the title, I guess, but I never really cared if they called me a hitting partner, even with Caroline, you know, or coach or not. Um, I, I gave my opinion just as much as I do now and suggest, you know, things to do on court, off court. And, um, I can't really pinpoint a certain moment where that happened. Yeah. With the transition, I I think it became slowly as I grew and became more comfortable in my role. And, um, yeah, if sorry i can't explain it better
3: (laughs) (laughs) no it's fine it's just one of those questions where a lot of people don't understand like are you a coach but you travel full-time you do everything that you're a coach would do but you're technically a hitting partner so it's just one of those tough things to kind of differentiate
2: yeah it, it it's hard for me you know like i i do believe also like having there are certain coaches who just travel 20 weeks you know i know coaches that just coach 20 weeks and then they have another guy Uh, on the side doing that work so for me if you only travel 20 weeks 25 weeks like that's half a year what do you do for the rest of the half year you know who's, who's who's the main guy responsible so I do believe that these guys deserve a little bit more credit as well you know who do all the other rest when nobody really sees them and they are not at the tournament you know the main person that runs on court and gives the advice but does all the work you know in Florida or you know wherever that might be when there's no cameras around. So it's um, yeah, it's a little bit of a thin line there.
1: Do you have any interests beyond tennis that you I know you wrote a book. So yeah. um, the book is called Strengthen Your Mind: 50 Habits for mm-hmm. Mental Change. So there was some writing involved, but it's in Japanese or is it mm-hmm. in English now too?
2: No, not yet. Not yet. We're working on it. <laughs>
1: Only in Japanese. Do Only you speak Japanese? Japanese? No.
2: no, I don't. <laughs> I know a little bit, but not, not, nothing serious, no. Yeah.
1: What uh, What interests you besides tennis? Do you have things, other sports you follow, things you like to do?
2: I mean, yeah, sports. If we follow sports, yeah, I'm a huge UFC fan. Um, I I respect the fighting game uh, a lot. You know, these guys are all girls, women, you know, they make one mistake and they have to eat mashed potatoes for three months, I think that that's, you know, that's pretty done impressive. Um, but overall, no, I, um, yeah, I like UFC, I, I try to stay as healthy as I can, you know, keep in shape. And um, yeah, the book was a super fun project. I'm very, I'm proud of it. You know, I, I try to leave it all out there. And hopefully it'll help some people. And um, yeah, usually I'm pretty boring like i don't do much i go to the gym i don't have any friends i don't go out and um, that's true you sound like
3: a tennis player it's true it's true it's (laughs) so
2: sad i i don't go out much i um yeah i go to the gym stay at the courts and then order delivery food i don't even go alone to restaurants and stuff like that yeah it's really boring he sounds just (laughs) like
3: a regular tennis pro who
2: has no life i don't he sounds like
3: most people actually whether they play tennis or not i go out
1: yeah okay The WTA has made a really big effort to interview coaches a lot more. Do you enjoy being a bit more in front of having a bit more of a platform, being able to communicate your thoughts and your knowledge and share it more than than ever, I think, the past year?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a great initiative. You know, I do believe that there's a lot of guys that work really hard that nobody really knows them so much. And I think that that's like... Basically, in one of the only sports, everybody knows all these great, you know, soccer coaches, football coaches, they get so much publicity. And yeah, of course, you know, I do believe that there's a lot of good people that do good work and they need to have the exposure. And um, yeah, sometimes it, certain things makes it, it makes it harder. You know, the moment you have a little bit more of a, of a presence, you also get a lot more hate and, you know, jealousy that comes with it. But um, as long as you're able to differentiate that and don't let it get to your head, absolutely. I think it's a good thing.
1: Have you noticed that, you know, I know you said you're not famous, but you are. Have you noticed that people recognize you? Like you're in La Playa boxes, yes, but you're also sometimes in magazines. You're sometimes part of um, different projects and things. And do you feel, you know, like, hey, I'm established, you know, I've made
3: it
0: the best no, resume kind no,
2: of in I have sports. not I have not I'm so far from I've made it like oh my god
3: what's
1: <laughs> left
2: what's, um, Sasha I really don't what's know left? what else
3: you can do though <laughs>
2: no there is a more left there's a more left um no but yeah I mean sometimes you go out and then one guy came up to me and says hey you know you look like this tennis coach you know we used to work with Serena and I was like oh are you sure I heard? No, he's ugly. It's not me and stuff. But um,
3: <laughs> You say no, I get that a lot. Yeah, I
2: get that a lot. <laughs> no, but um, I mean, of course, it's nice being recognized once or twice around the city. If there's a tennis tournament going on, it it makes you feel good. I can't lie about it. But I'm so far away from that. Like, yeah.
3: You're currently coaching Kiki Mladenovic. Um You did speak about not loving the whole team atmosphere. You said you didn't even like playing doubles. She is a phenomenal doubles player. Um, how has that been to be able to, you know, dive into that? Cause the doubles world is like a completely kind of different world, if you will, has ha, ha, like, have there been a lot of changes that you've had to make practice wise to adjust to, you know, that doubles part of her game?
2: No, that was just for me speaking personally, you know, but then again, as soon as it goes or it is about my player, I'm super happy to change, you know, and adapt to whatever she's needed. And I know that, for example, Kiki needs these doubles matches. It helps her, you know, with the confidence and with getting matches. And you know it yourself. For example, in Wimbledon, it's so hard to get a practice court, you know, and then getting a little bit more time on the grass court. Or here, you know, you practice in park, you know, P7 to P27. The court is way faster than the other match courts. So... I do understand the benefit of it and um, yeah, I do believe she gets a lot of good things out of the doubles. It helps her with her singles and um, uh, with Timmy, they have a good partner. She has a really good partner and friend and um, no, it doesn't It doesn't take much. Uh,
1: yeah. And we've spent enough time with you and wasted enough no, of your time in the you. middle no, no. of the US Open. No waste. So uh, we wish you the best of luck thank and you very much. I really, really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good luck,
1: me. Sasha. Good luck. Have fun out there. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Will do.
1: From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer Luke Mahoney, producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chiu.